Hey everybody, it is Tuesday, and we are back with another episode of Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. I'm Andy. I'm your amateur piano playing host. This is a podcast where you take a journey with me. We started with Fur Elise, and we're shooting for Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Every week, we take another step forward and discuss one of the pieces on the road to that goal. We spend the episode putting the piece into historical and musical context, and we all leave a little bit smarter and more appreciative of music. Or that's the idea, anyway. This is episode 5.2, the second episode in a series spotlight on the Baroque period. Specifically, the collection of Bach's 15 inventions. But before we continue on with the inventions, today I want to open with a correction. I misspoke during the previous episode when I was talking about how manuscripts of Bach's inventions contain slight variations from student to student. That is true. There were some variations in copies. But my error was when I said that the people in the Baroque period did not have access to a copy machine or a printing press. Copy machine was accurate. Those weren't invented until 1959. But the printing press, well... Gutenberg actually invented that in 1440, so they were definitely around during Bach's time in the 1700s. What I should have said is that Bach did not have easy access to a printing press. Only a select few of Bach's 1,126 cataloged pieces were actually printed during his lifetime, and the inventions, they didn't make the cut. They weren't printed until after Bach's death, which explains the handwritten copies given to his students. So I just wanted to clear that up. Printing presses, definitely in the world, but not easily accessible to the public. Not like today, when we could just transmit a digital copy with the flick of our finger from a device that we carry around in our pockets. So for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you may have noticed that I tweeted out an interesting article from the New York Times this week. Even they have noticed that podcasts make an ideal fit for classical music, and that classical music podcasts are rising in popularity. You know, if there is a single silver lining in this dark, lingering COVID cloud, I'm glad to see that people are reconnecting to something true and classic. And I'm also still waiting for my interview, New York Times. But let's get to the main event, Box Inventions. Let's pick up right where we left off last episode and continue on with one of my favorite inventions, number four in D minor. This is the first invention in a minor key that we're going to look at, and it comes blasting out of the gate with an aggressive scale-based subject with the right hand. It rides up the D minor scale, jumps down, then jumps back up and comes back down. Let's hear it one more time. So that's the main idea of this piece. Then, similar to the other inventions that we've looked at so far, the left hand imitates the right hand with the complete subject. Because the subject is based on ascending and descending scales, it kind of feels like running. This invention is often described as a chase between the hands. I've actually heard it described by someone as two squirrels chasing each other in a tree. 
One new concept that this invention brings with it is a pretty fun one. This invention happens to include a couple long ornaments called trills. A trill is a rapid alteration between a note and the note above it. It's a quick back and forth between two fingers, and it's a great exercise for getting really good at old school Nintendo games. You know, back when the controllers only had two buttons. <laughs> Feels like just yesterday. Bach layers sequences of the subject with one hand, while the other hand executes these trills, lasting several measures, giving off a sonic color of vibration. Or maybe those squirrels just found some bumblebees. Then, after the first of these trills, Bach inverts the subject. So instead of the subject going up and coming back down, it's flipped upside down to come down and come back up in back-to-back -back inverted subjects. So this invention opens in D minor but spend some time modulating to a few other keys, including its relative major key. So remember back to a previous episode, to get from a major key to its relative minor key, we go down a minor third, which is a whole step plus a half step. So if we want to go from minor key to its relative major key, we just do the opposite. We go up a minor third. So if we're starting at D minor, we go up a whole step to E, then up another half step, and now we're at F major. This invention also spends some time in the dominant minor key, which for D minor would be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, D, E, F, G, A minor. So the shape of the invention starts out in D minor, goes to F major, goes to A minor, and then we expect the piece to make a return to its home key of D minor, which it does with a near repeat of the opening measures. Only this time around, it's one octave up. And that brings us to our expected D minor ending. So let's listen to the whole invention and see if you can pick out the trills and maybe even pick out the point at the end where the piece returns to its home key. Here's box invention number four in D minor, BWV 775.
Alright, let's move on to the second invention of the day. We're going to skip number 5 and go straight ahead to number 6. Invention in E major. This invention is a bit different and more complex than the ones we've talked about before because it has two subjects being played simultaneously, one for each hand. Subject number one is stated by the left hand and has a mostly ascending climb. Subject number two is introduced by the right hand and has a mostly descending fall. These two subjects are both introduced at the same time, but subject number two is slightly offset by just a half beat. So they are both woven together, with subject one starting low and coming up, while subject two starts high and comes down. Then they meet somewhere in the middle. Then right after that line is completed, the subjects switch hands. Now the right hand moves up with subject 1, and the left hand moves down with subject 2, pushing the hands apart close to their starting position. A little bit down the road, the invention modulates to a different key. And if you guess the dominant key, then congratulations, you are not only paying attention, but you are correct. So if we started this invention in E major, the dominant, or the fifth key, would be E, F, G, A, B major. The B major section opens once again with both subjects, but this time, the order is reversed. The left hand starts with the descending subject number two, and the right hand starts with the ascending subject number one. And just like the beginning, the hands switch subjects directly after that. Then something interesting happens. The invention shifts to a minor key, and we have an example of a sequence which borrows a motif from subject number two. So if you recall, a subject is like a musical sentence, while a motif is a phrase in that sentence. Or, like we said in the last episode in Tetris terms, a subject is a complete line, while a motif is one of the Tetris pieces that makes up that line. So let's hear subject number two one more time. And we're gonna get rid of the ascending scale stuff and isolate that motif at the end. So Bach takes this motif and executes it four times in a row in the right hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
two, three, four. So this minor key gives a different mood and feel to this section of the invention before the key makes a return to the home key of E major. The simultaneous subjects are introduced one more time, just like in the beginning, but their roles are reversed. To compare, here are the opening subjects. And here's the recapitulation, or the return of the subjects at the end. That will take us out to the end. So this invention is something a little different going on. Two subjects at once. Hopefully you can recognize those two subject lines. And now that we've had some experience with these inventions, you can start to appreciate the shape that Bach takes when constructing these musical puzzles. So here's invention number six in E major, BWV 777. So I just want to check in. How are we doing? Can you hear a little more than just a barrage of notes with both hands trying to outdo the other? Can you start to separate the pieces from the whole and understand a little bit more about how these inventions fit together? I hope so. And if not, no worries. We still have three more weeks to see if something clicks. Next week, we'll take a look at another pair of inventions and focus on the form of the inventions which will hopefully shed some more light into Bach and his style. 
the standalone recordings for the two inventions we talked about today can be found right in the podcast feed. And for the piano players out there, you will find links to the public domain sheet music in the episode details. We skipped invention number five today, but if you're interested in hearing it, you could head over to the Piano Rhapsody SoundCloud page where you'll be able to hear every recording that we've covered in this podcast and more. You can stream all of that for free over on SoundCloud. Thank you, Modern Technology. And thank you for lending me your ears and exploring these inventions with me today. We're still on phase one of our historical trip, but I'm looking forward to what's ahead. So stick around.